1: March 3rd, the year is 2020. You're listening to The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Huckabee. I'm coming at you from Nashville, Tennessee today. Uh, meanwhile, down there in Orlando, Florida, he has been put in charge of the U.S. response to Super Tuesday today. He's making he's in charge of coordinating, making sure that everybody gets there pulling locations fine and that there's no funny business at the polls. It's our illustrious <laughs> producer, Chandler Strang. Hello. A hey, confident and then there,
0: hello. <laughs> Rest in your hands. Uh, <laughs> uh, Hey guys <laughs> Who,
1: not, Nobody trying to force anyone to vote for Bernie here Just a normal guy In charge of a normal Super Tuesday <laughs> Up there in Loveland, Virginia uh, He's already voted three times today It's our friend Jesse Carey Hello,
0: hello Yang, yang, and yang <laughs> Yes <laughs> He's still in it, right?
1: <laughs> I've tried to hey, tune a yeah. lot of this out Right And we enjoyed having him on so much. We decided to invite him back for another round. He is the author of the upcoming book Enter Wild, and uh, you've uh, you've hopefully heard him speak at some point on one of his mini circuits. If not, you'll get a chance to hear him soon. It's our friend Carlos Whitaker, also here in Nashville. Hey, Carlos. Hey, we are neighbors. We're doing this together, and uh, good to be with you guys yeah, today, man. We'll, we will rebuild. Now, we we uh, f- from the outset, uh, we're recording this uh, this very morning, the morning that most of you are listening to this. Uh, Carlos, we had kind of a rocky. Night. Yeah, both of you guys Here, were up all night in Nashville, Nashville Tennessee.
2: Tennessee. We did. We did uh, last night. You know, it's 8.30 it's a.m. our time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, last night, I mean, devastating losses for Nashville, Tennessee. We got, um, I, I think, two tornadoes is what ended up touching down mm-hmm. and lives lost and buildings shattered. And, you know, so we woke up this morning, Tyler, you know, I got a text from you. Hey, you doing OK? And, you know, we're all checking on each other. Everyone's texting their friends in East Nashville. East Nashville and Germantown is kind of where it got um the bulk of it and so yeah pretty scary scary night
0: it's i was gonna ask you know you, you guys are both there you're only a few miles apart there in nashville you know i i and i'm sure like i said this is this just happened last night so you guys are kind of still assessing damage in your own neighborhood in your own community and i'm sure we're gonna hear a lot about this in the coming days tell me a little bit about last night guys this this kind of came out of nowhere right
1: there was for a lot of people, I think this was uh yeah super sudden- so I live in east nashville uh i'm about i'm a little less than a mile from five points, and five points is the place where they got hit the mm-hmm. hardest uh, a lot of folks down there uh lost their homes a lot of small businesses got a lot of like legacy small businesses yeah. places that were really the, the sort of like the 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 guts of this part of the city that, that I that I really love and and it's been really hard some some really cool restaurants and and bars and and I understand that there are some people there who who maybe didn't make it too and, and that's uh, and that's really really sad so yeah we're recording this actually right in the wake of this I I don't know very much and I don't want to say too much about uh you know make too many prediction but it was it was a wild night i was up for most of it we were in our own little safe space carlos i think you guys you said you have a you have a real life storm shelter you were, were
2: guys guys we're, we're we're like i mean it's like
1: like a doomsday like a, prepper
2: yes we're, we're like preppers over here in creve hall um we've got a we've got a storm shelter and uh we've we've never actually you know had a run down there tornadoes you know do pass through nashville but uh, last night was scary enough to where, you know, we uh, I woke up my, my two daughters are in Salt Lake City, but I woke up my son and my wife and uh, we ran down to uh, the storm shelter and it was it, w- it was frightening, you know, and um to gosh, you know, I, I think around 830 last night, like there was talk that storm could produce yes. a tornado, you know, and um. And so, you know, we, but that, I I feel like Nashville, especially on Twitter, like there's always like, it's going to snow or it's going to be a tornado and it just never (laughs) happens. Right. And so I think a lot of people, you know, just kind of went to sleep. And, um, luckily I've got a little app on my phone that, you know, woke us up when, when there wasn't just a tornado watch, it was actually a tornado warning. And that's when, you know, we got up and man, it was scary. You know, I, again, I'm, I'm about five miles from where it all happened, but, um, it's. I mean, I can't imagine. I. I do have some friends, you know, that I've already talked to this morning. That you know, we're a quarter mile, or you know, ah, gosh, just hundreds of feet from where the tornado touched down, and they were talking about their ears were popping. They were in their mm-hmm. bathtub, and it was, mm-hmm. you know, a scary, scary thing. So
1: we uh, there, there's a. It's kind of interesting, Carlos. You're probably aware of this. There's this Twitter account called nash called it's they call nashville severe weather nash yeah. severe wx and it is yeah. this group of this is just what these are just guys with a hobby and their hobby yep. is weather this is um this is pro bono information yeah. and it is the most reliable like best and any time there is any inclement weather whatsoever in nashville these weather nerds are Are tweeting this and they're they're they have tons of they have almost 200,000 followers because they give out really reliable data and they're out there in it. They'll start periscoping from the you see like when like debris whipping around behind them, papers, (laughs) and they they probably saved actual lives last night. They kept me super informed. I don't know who these guys are, yeah, but uh, they're like sort of local legends around here for the work they do, and it's it's amazing.
2: They are. They are, I actually know the guy. His name's. Oh, Norm. do you really? Oh, yeah, yeah. His name's William, and uh, he's a lawyer. He's an he's an attorney in in Nashville. And I started following the account like ten years ago, and he started following me. So he's like, hey, let's get let's get coffee, and so we ended up getting coffee, became friends. And, um, I literally, I mean, he literally does save lives. Like, like they are faster than the, than the weather guys on TV. Like you don't want to turn on the news. You want to open Twitter and you want to follow them. I mean, 30 seconds at a time. They're like updating what streets the, the weather's happening on, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible what they've done. And so now they've built, uh, they've built a little, you know, a big following they've got, you know, if you live in Nashville, you've probably heard of them and there, there's ways to support them as well. They've got a, I think, a a Patreon page or something like that. And uh yeah, so I mean they're 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 really legends in Nashville and they they definitely help us
0: I, out I'm, a lot. I'm a Nashville uh outsider obviously I, I've I've been to the city and 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 know a lot. I've a lot of people a lot of friends like you guys a lot of people I care about there. And my impression of everyone that I know from Nashville is the sense of community and resiliency. Um and like I said I know both of you guys are still kind of just waking up to all of this and and are still kind of seeing you know the damage that has been done, but talk just for a few minutes, guys, about the community there, and you know maybe even ways that listeners can support uh, some efforts to help. You know, you your guys as neighbors who who are really affected by this.
1: Yeah, I, I and I do appreciate everyone listening to that. I know this is. I hope this doesn't sound too insider baseball. It just happens to affect two thirds of the podcast. Uh, this right. morning, yeah. but uh, but I do, but uh, but it, but it is, I, I'm I'm grateful for, and I I did see a lot of, I should say, a lot of podcast listeners reached out over social media in the night to make sure I was okay. I do really appreciate that. Uh, uh, and uh, the city has k- kind of a, a magnet for bad weather. Like it seems like once a decade something happens, something goes down here. There was a lot of flooding. Uh, about uh, let's see, it was about ten years ago now, I suppose yeah. that was a big deal. And uh, it's it just it, it happens. It's it's in that area. Um, there is an organization called Hands on Nashville. It's at H O Nashville on Twitter. They do a great job of organizing volunteer. Efforts and resources to places that need them. Lots of people don't have a home right now in Nashville. My understanding is that our little farmers market was overrun with folks for sort of a temporary shelter Mm -hmm. last night. If you want to help and and have the reason the means to do that, uh, definitely would appreciate that in this city. They would be a great resource for you to follow and and can make sure that your funds or food or whatever you want to send over gets directed to the folks who really need it. I'd recommend that.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and, and I know that there's going to be um, a lot of churches and a lot of churches are already kind of organizing and they're organizing through the organization that Tyler just talked about as well. So, you know, I, I think if you follow any anyone from Nashville, uh you'll 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 be able to help in some way, shape or form. Also, you know, Nashville is I mean, there. I think last count, and this was just a couple weeks ago, I heard there's still like 100 people a day that are moving to the city. Wow. And so, you know, it, it's 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 a booming town. Um, I guarantee that everyone listening to the podcast is connected in some way, shape or form to the city. Um, it's it's just a great town to be in. And, and you know, I, I believe, you know, there's, a, there's a, the signs, there's two or three signs around Nashville that say, I believe in Nashville. And, you know, there was one of the um, locations that was destroyed. It was the basement uh, in East Nashville. And the only part of the building that still standing is the part where the sign says, I believe in Nashville. Cool you know, I don't, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think that's lost on us at all. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how Nashville comes together.
0: Those among us that live outside the city and in different parts of the country, definitely keeping you guys in our prayers. And we'll definitely, you know, check out those organizations because, you know, it's, it's horrible seeing something like this, especially something that kind of comes out of nowhere and, and affects yeah. a lot of people.
1: Um, but thanks for asking about that, Jesse. I appreciate yeah. your, oh, your concern. Oh, I man, appreciate the, really. uh, the 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 phone calls and texts that are rolling in from friends, family, and podcast listeners. My my true family. Uh, I true appreciate, fam. <laughs> I appreciate, and I, I should I I feel like it would be wrong not to mention. I know we're still getting kind of a a count here of everything that happened. My understanding is that some people have lost their lives. We don't know who, right. yeah, what, wh- who, or where, but. Um, if you, if you do, uh, know these people, the people who are affected by this, we, uh, relevant are obviously going to pray for you and we are obviously going to be involved in whatever way we can in helping to get this, uh, city rebuilt as best as we can. And we're glad, we're, we're grateful that we have power here to provide you all with a podcast because the, the, the podcast must go on. The podcast is gone. I'm so
2: glad, Tyler, you have that backup generator for your podcast equipment. <laughs> you know, uh, over if, there Chandler, can, if
1: Chandler can run Super Tuesday <laughs> and a podcast at the same, then
0: the least I can do.
1: Yeah. At least I could to do fire up the generator, up. To get fire. another pod, yeah, get my pork and beans out and and make this happen. I have some
0: really essential content to bring the world in slices <laughs> yes. today and it would be a darn shame if they it didn't would be get a travesty. Travesty. If they didn't get my my hot take on, you know, uh ch- pastors that use wireless flesh-colored Madonna mics and <laughs> <laughs> the stakes are high that we could do this today.
1: We have a great show for you today. Uh, in addition to uh, our, our 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 Super Tuesday live Super Tuesday coverage that we've been providing with you for this <laughs> since the, the next like forty five minutes now we will be we are also going to be joined by oh this is a good one Aiden King is joining us. He's from Hillsong Young and Free. He's here to talk about their brand new single Best Friends, and also I have a I, I hope this is helpful to people. I was grateful to be able to talk to a gentleman by the name of Doctor Jamie. Aiden, Uh, He is a disaster psychologist and disaster ministry expert. He's been doing a lot of work helping churches prepare for knowing how to deal with the potential outbreak of the coronavirus. Uh, I thought that some of his insights would be useful to share with you all. We had a great conversation that was very insightful and informative. I'll be sharing that with you later on as well. Now, I have to run outside real fast, uh, do about 10 minutes on my pedaling on the generator to give myself a little more power. And uh, when we come back, Slices. Listening to "Breathe Deeper" by Tame Impala. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard "Color My Life" by Chicano Batman. Okay, time for our weekly look back at some of the favorite stories that came across our desks this week. It's time for
0: slices. 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 What do you got, Jesse? All right, uh, Carlos, I have a question for you, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How how well do you know? Because I, I know him a little bit, but but we all run in similar circles. How well do you know Mr. David Crowder?
2: Oh, uh, well, uh, well enough. I, I, don't, I don't know what, 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 what your well would be, but, uh, but, but yes, well, well enough to maybe have a story.
1: Like okay. friend, like you would say you're friendly with him. I mean, yes. Friendly. Friendly okay. is a good word. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He, he, he
2: didn't, he didn't text me this morning to see if I was okay.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah, it, oh, well, it, you you know, were, so should, you
0: were friends with him. <laughs> right. <what> <laughs> well, you know, and, 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 and you say, you know, him, you know, you know, reasonably well. I feel like people can only know David Crowder so well. He is Absolutely. sort of, I let me ask you this because I like him. And, and, and if he listen to this, I don't think he would be offended. Uh, I, I it, but I, I truly think I never really know if he's messing with me or not.
2: I think that's his goal is, is is you just kind of are in the shroud of uncertainty when you leave a conversation with the guy. Mm-hmm.
0: Keeps on your toes. You're not sure yep. if that w- happened or it was like a weird waking fever dream. Like, did I just have that conversation with Crow? He, so Yeah and And I like it, I like him a lot. He's been on this podcast numerous times i I have been doing inter- and this so my relationship with him is basically you know I, I've done interviews with him probably i don't know a dozen time over the years and so yeah. so so I feel like I have a pretty good impression yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of of who he is and this is why I needed to to i needed to bring you guys this story because I'm deeply concerned about something um He on Twitter over the weekend or this was actually yesterday, early yesterday morning on on Twitter. He posted a tweet that says, thanks for the call at the Gary Busey. I'll hit you back. Motivation Mondays in the tweet (laughs) was a short and what appeared to be like a, a self shot video from mm-hmm. actor Gary Busey, we're all familiar mm-hmm. with busey i I, I believe um, you know a, a an actor who's had a very interesting career uh, he a, a, along with his early Hollywood films he's gone on to uh, star in reality shows and Various low budget Christian apocalypse films, you know, that really kind of a, 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 a 2020 career arc. Sure. A, all, Another
1: person a, I would say, I'm never sure if he's messing with me. Yeah. Yes. He is, he, uh, he is yeah.
2: just an older David Crowder. Let's be, are they, have we ever seen them in the
0: same room? That, that's, that's, <laughs> a that's a
1: good question. <laughs> hey, both. <laughs> that's a good, they, you're getting ahead they, of us, Carlos.
0: <laughs> you're getting ahead <laughs> of us. Okay. So, so, <laughs> you know, they both have similar looks. Yeah. So, so he tweeted this. And I, I want to play, this video is short, I believe it's about 90 seconds, this message from Gary Busey to David Crowder that was posted without any further explanation. I want you guys to hear this and let me know how deeply, deeply concerned you are <laughs> for both of these two <laughs> men and possibly humanity. Chandler, if you don't mind, if we pl- cue up that clip.
3: Hey, Crowder, it's Busey. Call me back. I know Mondays can be back to the grind and all the Cracker Jacks and the Grasshoppers and the Popeye State. Listen, you know, fly, man. Fly. Get on an airplane. First-class bulkhead. Mondays belong to you. You are Mondays' boy. I know. I know. But for real, call me back. I have more interesting things to say to you. That you can't imagine. Okay. Crowder is Busey. We've known each other for thousands of years, so let's not stop it now. Thank
0: you. Wow. There's a lot to unpack there, including the fact that Busey's claimed to have known Crowder for thousands of years. We
3: don't have (laughs) time.
1: (laughs) We don't have time to get into everything this brings up.
0: Yeah it, it brings up a, a lot of d- disturbing uh who knows what these two men are conspiring about and <laughs> that's amazing there was we, something know that about the, we know Jackson that they've been alive for uh, yeah. Uh, we we we've known that they're yeah, they're both m- probably immortal uh, as. And, and yes. at first I thought it's just some kind of weird like deep fake, but I don't think I think you know deep fakes is where they can digitally alter, they can use uh facial, you know, sort of manipulation technology and and voice modulation to make videos of celebrities saying things that they didn't really say. And it, this does not appear to be a deep fake. No one, no one would think to do this. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think there are few people on this planet who are it's impossible to create deep fakes for. And I think <laughs> Gary Busey is one of those things. I don't think technology knows how to, to map the expressions that he makes when he speaks like th- this seems authentic. So I did a little digging, you know, uh, uh, Gary Busey is now a member of the Cameo family. Cameo is a service that we talked about a a while ago, where oh yeah, where you can right. pay a, a, a relatively little amount of money, depending I'm like,
1: depending on the who you're shooting for. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah exactly. It can From be a like yeah, from like 15 bucks to a few hundred bucks, depending on the level of celebrity and the demand for their their <laughs> video messages. But you can go on and you can pay celebrities to leave you a message um and, and they will do it. So I, I saw that Gary Busey is now on this platform. And, uh, you know, so it's possible. It, it's it, I mean, one possibility is Crowder, for some reason, felt like it would be a good this would be a good idea to invest in getting this yeah. message from Busey. But I don't think that's the case. This seems like Busey actually wants to connect with David Crowder for some reason. This says, well, you know, they've Cameo been friends, isn't even they've been friends in all. for a while.
2: Yes, a, a long while, a, a thousands, thousands of, of years, reasons. evidently.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's the sort
1: of friendship. You shouldn't need to reach out over the over social media. That you think they'd have
0: traded phone numbers at some point. Oh, yeah, Carlos, you probably know Mr. Crowder the best out of all of us. Um, what do you think is happening here? Uh, well, you know.
2: I'm, I'm actually looking at it right now. I'm watching it. I'm, I'm, and I'm listening to it and I'm watching his face. Um, I, I honestly believe that these two men communicate on a regular basis. I, 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 I feel like they communicate on a regular basis and just looking, the more I look at, at Gary, that like, the more I look at him, the more I think I, and again, you know, like, like we, we all love Crowder, but this, this guy, he could be related I think he may be his father I, I don't know like, like this there could be something that we don't know there is definitely a kinship going on here he looks like Crowder with his beard cut off in 30 years like I, I feel like that's that's what's gonna happen
0: it's so true it is weirdly true maybe they're the same person that maybe like Crowder is a. it's like Looper with Bruce Willis and 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 uh, uh, who uh who is the other actor Uh Joseph, Joseph yeah. where you know Crowder is actually a younger version of Busey that Got stuck mm-hmm. in sort of a sort of time loop, and they're paradoxically <laughs> trying to communicate with each other, which is why they've known each other for
1: thousands of years. It's because it's not it's a precisely. linear
0: situation. Uh-huh. They, yeah, we're they, they, they keep dropping into different timelines. Well, and know?
2: also like like just how cryptic that message was you know I've, I've been i've been following crowder for a long time and he's like one of my one of my favorite christian musicians i mean ever, it's been like 15 20 years and i feel like that is just how crowder has released all of his records he's been very cryptic like just in in what he does and i'm 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 telling you there's something Maybe this is like a clue for a new record. That's I mean, something's happening
0: here, guys. And and I'll be I I thought about reaching out to Crowder. You know, like I said, we've we've I I, I can't even count the number of times I've talked to him over the years. He'd be reasonably easy to get in touch with. And I decided I don't know if I want to know. (laughs) I decided that, you know, right now I have plausible deniability on anything that these two men are conspiring to do. True. Maybe that's for the best. If I could throw in one more
1: loop. To this. uh, We've already gone too deep, I think. But listening to this message from Busey, doesn't it give you a little bit of the vibe of Gary Busey is Joe Biden if things had gone awry early on in life? (laughs) (laughs) If if things had really taken a turn? He kind of talks in the same, like, like with folk with folksy sayings that you're like, that's not a saying though. Like you're <laughs> saying it like you're referring to something that we all know, a truism we're all familiar with. But I've never heard this. That I feel like, which is why I think it could be a Spider Verse situation where they're like coming in from different <laughs> dimensions and they have to all go back <laughs> to get <laughs> them back to our right right realities.
2: Something else I I, I, lo- I don't know if if any of you guys at some point can screen capture the bookshelf behind him and we can zoom in to see what these books are yeah. that are tilted oh, sideways. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, the the guy's got some
0: thoughts. (laughs) Oh, he's got some thoughts. I do like the observation that he... He, he starts to make an analogy and doesn't know how the analogy is going to end and just acts <laughs> like it makes sense. It's like, you know, that's just how another snake gets in the ball pit, right, guys? I literally have no idea what you're saying. Yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know that saying because I think you just made it up. So, uh, this is one so we're going to be keeping an eye on. Uh-huh. I want to bring you guys one more story. Uh, uh, uh <laughs> Carlos Tyler, real quick, tell me what you guys think. AOL, the company, does right now. What is their business model? Mm -hmm. If you had to just guess. Because I'm aware of AOL. I know back... I've never been clear on what AOL does. Like, I know back in the day, early internet, they would send CDs in the mail. I didn't know the purpose of the CDs then. You know, everyone was still trying to figure out how the internet even worked. Or what the purpose of these free it came minutes in the mail. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the internet arrived at your <laughs> arrived house in the mail, in the mail. <laughs> and then you plugged it into your phone. That's how we used to do it. <laughs> Zoomers. The, the little there. guy, the little guy ran across the screen. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, yeah, and, yeah and, and, and you put in these, these discs that AOL would send you. I never have actually paid AOL money for anything. Like I, I don't know no. what product they're selling. Carlos, what is your impression of what? I know they used to do chat rooms, but yeah, I haven't yeah, been in AOL. I think that I think the the FBI shut those down because it was know. just a weird, dangerous place to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I
2: I, I mean AOL. I mean, we're, we're talking 1996 here. Like I I, mm-hmm. I can't. First of all, the fact that you said that there's uh, they're still in business is this is this what you're trying to tell me? AOL dot com is still it, out there. So, so yeah. like. I've not typed AOL.com into my browser this morning. I can't imagine. Um, I, I can't imagine what they're doing. I mean, I don't know if they're trying to maybe recycle all of the disks and they're, you know, <laughs> getting, getting getting money off of, off of old recycled disks.
0: I mean, I, I can't imagine. Tyler, what, what, what is your impression of what happens at AOL? Because somewhere there's a building that is the headquarters of America Online. I guess that's true. There are are probably, I have no idea how many employees, but I can assume dozens at least. Tyler, what, what is your impression of what they do there?
1: My, my guess would be. Like, is there is there such thing as like an Internet for like for like the greatest generation? Like, do people need <laughs> that's the only thing I can think of. is, the, is the, the boom, Yeah. Yeah. I, like it, boomer it, plus it, like boomers can boomers have Wi-Fi. Boomers don't need a CD to get the Internet. They, they they've been they've been around long enough to figure it out. But I think people who you know, who who saw the depression who are still with us. We thank God for their wisdom and their guidance in these these difficult times. But the internet is probably not their like native space. And I think AOL could be there for them. I'm
2: I'm imagining that possibly their corporate headquarters are sharing a space with a Real Player, like like maybe,
0: maybe AOL and Real Player.
2: Like they've combined agencies, you know.
0: Yeah, and the hardware maker of those old boom boxes that used to have like you could you remember those like boom boxes back in the day that looked like they came off like an alien spacecraft uh-huh. and, oh, yeah. and they had like oh, yeah. lights and stuff and it's like I gotta adjust the setting here, guys. I'm gonna go over <laughs> to disco mode and it's like what's the difference? Like I'm not a sound engineer, I don't know yeah. what mode. Am I supposed to change it by some? Anyway, so all the, you know, they they probably live in some, yeah, building with artifacts from their era. But, you know, AOL is evidently in the content business now. They're writing news. You go to AOL.com and there's all kinds of news popping. They're like a portal for content. But I want to bring you a story that shows the level of content that they're cranking out these days. This is what's happening. So I I, I found this on Fark, which is a a content aggregator that, you know, digs up interesting stuff around the Internet. It was uh, uh, posted uh, just yesterday. And this is... I want to read the entirety of a news story for you. Okay? Okay, OK, that the byline for this is staff writer. OK, this is a news article that appeared on AOL.com. OK, this is the entirety of the article. All right. Headline woman laughs on her <laughs> woman laughs on her own mistake as she forgets to pick kids and drives alone to school. I'm going to read that again. Woman laughs on her own mistake as she forgets to pick kids and drives alone to school. This is a headline. This is wow. a national news story <laughs> from AOL well, from AOL. <laughs> I'm going to right. read the article okay. in its entirety. Okay, OK, you should know that there is a video accompanying this article. And, oh, I, I, and I thought if oh, I watched the media experience. I thought if I watch the video, surely, surely it will give me more context. Surely an anchor or someone will appear and and tell me more than what is here. But no, the video uh, spoiler alert is 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 about uh, under a minute in length. And it is a woman sitting in her car, filming herself, just cackling, not saying anything, just laughing. That's the video. Here is the entirety of the article. This woman made a silly mistake while dropping her kids to school. <laughs> she drove the car alone to the school and realized that her kids weren't sitting in the car and she never picked them up. She started laughing and went to pick the pick the kids. Mm-hmm. Pick, the, to pick, pick the kids. kids. <laughs> okay. That's the entirety of right. the article. Oh, that, right. the there article. is no that's more. It. There so is that, no so more. Maybe a hundred words. I, I don't know who this woman was. I don't <laughs> know where this, I, like the who, what, when, where, why, like the, the immediate questions are, yes. the, you know, are, are not answered, mm-hmm. <laughs> not even attempted to be answered. I have no idea where this happened, who this woman is, but this is the, this rises to the level <laughs> of national news. They posted this on Monday before super Tuesday. We have an, a virus outbreak. There, we have never lived in a time where there is more news, like <laughs> ever, ever. Like, and this, this, this made it past the 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 whole editorial process, and it was like, oh, that's a hot, that's a hot take. This woman, wait, you're telling me that somewhere a woman drove to school to drop her kids off. She didn't have the kids in the car, so she turned around to get them and then dropped them off at school. Stop the presses! <laughs> We're I, AOL! I, I, write the headline! Hurry, get this story up. Tyler, you and I write a lot of content. I've every written a lot day. of content.
1: And and let it be known, I'm not proud of all of it. No. We, we've definitely had to we've definitely we've we've definitely had to we've definitely had to write at length on certain things. But this
0: is news. But this would not
1: this would this would probably not. Here's my I, I do have a theory. Okay. This woman, we don't know her name, but I think AOL is down to a one woman operation. And it's this yeah. woman's <laughs> like, and it's her like frenemy. It's like they've got, they've got something. There's beef in the past. There, there, there's trouble. And so she's trying to make her a la- the laughing stock of the American public right now by showing just how forgetful she is g- and making it. But she doesn't realize that this is not, you can't cancel somebody over something like th- This is not, a, this is not rise <laughs> to the level of like, of like, how very dare she. This
0: is one of those stories. Yeah, this isn't like a, like a tan mom thing or something where people, you know, uh, give some parent a hard time over yeah. you know something yeah. they did. Vulture they, isn't
1: going to write a takedown of this woman or what it means about society today. That so, we can. Yeah. So.
0: so your theory is that the once mighty tech and entertainment empire of mm-hmm. AOL mm-hmm. is now a single person, <laughs> and this single person. Writes news stories like this because that's all they have time for. And if, this is keeping – that's, that's the theory.
1: If you have better theory, I, I'm i re- all ears. Carlos? I've, I've,
2: got, I've got none. I, th- I think Tyler, Tyler hit it. I mean, that, that is you – know, the, the only other news – the only other kind of AOL-ish um, that I remember, company I remember is CompuServe. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know if we remember CompuServe, but I went to CompuServe.com right now just to check – and and they're actually doing the exact same thing AOL is doing. So like, there it's it's just a bunch of news stories. So I think this yeah. is what happens to to dying internet
0: service providers. Yeah. Well, wait. We, uh, you know, for did more ready
1: Did you watch the video? Jesse,
0: I did. I did. And, and the video is, does
1: not. There's nothing.
0: There, there there's no other context than just a woman uh, laughing into her phone. Because like just, three oh, years
1: ago there was remember Chewbacca mom. Yeah. yeah. That was like a big deal. And on the surface of it, there wasn't a lot to the story, but then you watch the video. You're like, Oh yeah, that's kind of funny. I get it.
0: Yeah, yeah. But exactly. This is not one of
1: those. This is not she was wearing, to, okay. Chewbacca.
0: Mom was funny, and there was a lot of backstory to unpack. She be, you know, she yeah, was doing she the Today Show. Hero. Yeah, yeah. This is literally. <laughs> th- this is literally. I think they just ran out of stuff, and someone's like, "Hey, you're just going to make up a story. Just, t- just write a story <laughs> about matter. how you forgot to bring your kids to school." Well, my sister texted
1: up. me about her. She forgot her kids. Sure, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, National yeah, sure really <laughs>
0: Please listen. put it on the cover of the <laughs> magazine. Next. Yeah. Yeah. yeah l- listen, listen. Here's what leads today. Coronavirus update. Pete Budahead drops out of race <laughs> and that mom who forgot to drop her kids off at school. It's, it's going to be a three Just horse three? race today for, for, for widen news. So. Tyler, um, yeah.
1: right. t- what do you got, man? Yeah. So, okay. I got two things. So the first up is I want to, uh, I want to talk about, are you, are you guys, uh, I don't make you are Jesse Carlos. Are you a fan of the voice? You know what?
2: I'm not. I'm a fan of American Idol, though. So, like, oh. I'm, I'm the competition. Yeah, okay. is that okay.
1: how it works? Is it like a East Coast, West I think, Coast, Marvel, yeah, DC? I think, I think, one like, of those things you can't things. go okay. over to the
2: voice. Like, it's it's American Idol. Like, I'm 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 here for Lionel Richie and his face. That's yeah. what I'm here
1: for. Well, so. I don't have a story about American Idol this morning, Carlos. Okay. I'm sorry, but no, no, I fine. I would have tried to tailor this yeah, a little more. Fine. But <laughs> <laughs> but this fell into our lane, and American Idol. What can I say? They're slipping. <laughs> Flipping over there? Okay, this was Jesse, uh, this one is interesting. It gets more interesting the further you wade into this, and Jesse, I had some thoughts about this. Okay. So, uh, on The Voice, uh, there was a contestant a guy by the name of Todd Tilkman. and uh, he auditioned to be to join the team I think that's how it works over there at the voice like you sing and then all the judges yep. who are who are uh, celebrities from the entertainment industry try to they, they fight over whose team he had a, you, you, end up being a part of. And uh, so this guy, Todd Tilgman did a Seeger song. He sang We've Got Tonight. Everybody liked him. Kelly Clarkson, Nick Jonas, John Legend, Blake Shelton, were we're all into it. And uh, John Legend said, I saw the joy and the spirit that you have. And Tilgman told him, well, maybe that's because he is a pastor. And then they all started talking about, and I didn't realize this, I, I knew it individually, but I didn't put it together until now, that all of these people have pretty lengthy histories in the church industry, and yeah. it, all the all the judges come from come deep. Fr- they've got deep church ties. You've got John Legend, who, as he pointed out, and as he's actually talked to Relevant about in the past, he said, "My grandfather was our pastor. My mother was a choir director. I was at church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, sometimes Friday night." We all know, we all knew a family like the Legends growing yeah. up, like John Legend. That was that is not a surprise. But then Nick Jonas jumps in. He of course is a PK. He says I'm a pastor's oh, yeah. kid. I'm, I have fond memories when with my dad at the piano singing praise and worship songs. He referenced and this is one of the this is a deep cut even for the relevant crew, I think. Okay. He referenced Phillips Craig and De- Remember oh, Phillips Craig and yes. Dean yes. <laughs> the 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 the, the, hot, the hottest trio. They they were kind of like the if like they were like DC Talk plus 20 years. They, they were they were like the our they were like our grandparents the the boomer DC talk
0: well well not only that it, it, it did not only did Nick Jonas after John Legend like you know this pastors up there Nick and, and and John Legend is so excited to be in the presence of a pastor Nick Jonas you know belts out some Phillips Craig and Dean which I think we should hear a clip of Nick Jonas covering Phillips Craig and Dean in a second okay. uh, but <laughs> as soon as he says it the look on Kelly Clarkson's face is. I love Phillips, Craig, and Dean. I grew up in church. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the voice became like a youth group reunion, like 20-year reunion. Actually, tell let's cue up a clip of of Jonas singing. Todd, I'm a PK. I'm actually a pastor's kid. My most fond memories were with my dad at the piano, singing praise and worship songs. Do you know Phillips, Craig, and Dean?
2: I know who that is. Mercy came running. Past all my failures
3: upon
1: my kids. Yeah. You know, Desse, you said like a youth group reunion. But I don't think my youth group would have done a lot of... I think, I think if the youth pastor at Phillips Craig and... If the youth pastor at my church had referenced Phillips Craig and Dean, he would have been fired. Uh, oh, wow. You're the wrong guy. You're the wrong yeah. guy. You're not... Wow, this is thing. not... Not in this house. This yeah. is not... This is, this, is, this is... And this is not to besmirch the good name. I don't want to get the Phillips Craig and Dean Hive mad. I, I, I've got respect <laughs> no. for the Which, artistry. Well, well you know, Don't the Phillips, cancel me.
0: Because right now, the Phillips, Craig and Dean Hive, it's pretty big. It, it consists of Phillips, Craig and Dean. <laughs> and so uh, and you
1: know, Jonas and the Jonas and Nick bonus. Jonas, and Nick Jonas. <laughs> their most powerful ally by a long shot <laughs> by a long shot
0: <laughs> <laughs> their most powerful and only ally uh, you know, with a Joe Bro on board. The intersections are always uh, uh,
1: weird here, because because last time or on the daily a couple of days ago, Jesse, you and I talked a little bit about the time that Marvel Comics got in trouble for using Amy Grant's likeness in a yeah. comic book. Oh wow! Uh, and uh, and her her handlers were pretty upset about that because. Uh, the comic book had some like kind of uh, like magical sorcery type. It was Dr. Strange comics. So there's like some magic overtones, too. And they're like, eh, Amy Grant fans don't want to mess around with the, the, the witchcraft uh, the, cult, <laughs> uh, the devil. You can't do that. It's not good. And, uh, and and that. But that makes a little. I mean, Amy Grant was like famous, like real yeah. person famous. Yes. Phillips, Craig and Dean. I, I think they still like that. Even at their the peak Phillips Craig and Dean fame, they were still Which like. Which is right <laughs> now. The, peak, <laughs> they were, they,
0: the yeah. peak Phillips Craig and Dean fame is right now. They got to mention it on the voice. They have never. This, this they is.
2: Because is, is, no, in the 90s, I think the, like peak Phillips Craig and Dean. Would be like akin to like 2020, whatever like the second opening app of Winter Jam is. You know, like like whatever whatever that act is, like, like that's that's I think where they culminated. If,
0: <laughs> if you were and gonna make imagine the... that act, imagine, you know, what and I'm not even gonna insert a name of a current <laughs> artist. Yeah, no, 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 no. no, 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 no we're not. Yeah. Let's not. Yeah. But imagine fast forwarding 15 years and arguably a panel of four of the biggest pop stars on the planet. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. on a very very po- yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah northwest yes. blue yeah. ivy that, that that whole crew is up there you know reminiscing about how much they love this band from the winter jam who yeah. never made it even <laughs> to main stage at no winter no jam.
2: no they're, they're in they're in the pre-show
0: yeah, exactly. Uh, imagine them on the most popular show reminiscing. That's how big it is for Phillips, Craig, and Dean right now. Like, <laughs> hey, good for them. But a weird, so awesome, a very weird but very interesting and cool moment on the on the Voice.
1: Yeah, wow. So that was the the, the fortunately. <laughs> Uh, that was not the uh, the only slice that I got. All right. So the, the second slice that I want to talk about is this is an interesting study that came to us from uh, a guy I reference a lot. If you don't follow Ryan Burge on Twitter, uh, he's a very helpful resource for like just interesting studies and data analysis about Christianity in America. And he speaking a guy, he's like he's like the Nash severe weather for uh, for, oh, okay. for American. Evangelical. He does this on the house. This is not his job. This is just something that he does for fun. But he comes up with really interesting research and he found and I don't want anybody to panic here, but he found that the Protestant Christian in America, the American Protestant Christian confidence in medicine is in an absolute free fall. They, 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 they used to trust medicine they don't anymore let me explain so he did some data analysis uh mr burge did some data analysis uh it suggests that while several several religious traditions have lost faith in medicine over the last several decades the plummet is sharp among protestant groups evangelicals have seen their confidence in medicine nearly have since 1973 in 73 60 percent Of Protestant Christians said they had a great deal of confidence in medicine. Today, 31.5% say they have a great deal of confidence in medicine. Uh, It's about the same for Black Protestants uh, who've seen that sharp of a decline. 53% had a great deal of confidence in 73 to just 27% today. Uh, And actually, this is not super uncommon among the groups surveyed for this particular study. Only Jewish folks have experienced an actual increase in their confidence in medicine. Huh. uh they went from 42% to 48% in that timeline uh mainline protestants and catholics saw about a 10% drop so not as sharp not like a having but but it's going down and even people who say they have no faith in particular say their confidence dropped from about 49% to 40% uh so this is a uh, th- this is Sort of weird to me, and I'm not sure he didn't know why. Burgett didn't know why this might be happening. He kind of suggested that it might be part of the same overall trend we're seeing, and a lack of faith in institutions like big religion, big politics, big science, big pharma. Yeah, I don't. I just I don't know if I buy any of this stuff anymore. They're all they've all they're all trying to sell you something, scam you some way. Uh, Do you you think of another potential? That was just his like. Theory,
2: oh yeah, I I know I know one hundred percent. It's 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 the oils, it's essential I do, oils. Uh, dude, <laughs> it <is>. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're I, joking, you but are you? There's
1: something to that, and I think that there is probably a sense in which there's like a difference between, like, do I think that there is like some major problems in the healthcare industry. Uh, absolutely. I do. Like, do I think that, do I think it's ridiculous that people are dying because they can't afford, uh, medicines that should be very cheap and affordable? I do. Do I think that that can easily be then conflated into a much bigger sort of unreasonable sense of like, well, I'm just not going to go like, like, especially right now with the potential coronavirus outbreak, I, I would really like for people to have at least some confidence that, uh, that i trust doc you know that I I can go to a doctor and be reasonably confident that the test that they give me is going to to let me know what I need to know. But uh but that just is not the case today in the same way that it was uh back in the 70s, evidently. Jesse, what what do you think? Yeah. I
0: I think I think it's a culmination of a lot of stuff, including a a skepticism for institutions, a skepticism towards I mean you you see numbers of You know, it's funny. I remember seeing a clip uh, years ago of um, it was Al Gore. This is what prior to uh, this is prior to him becoming vice president. Um, And he was in Antarctica doing samples in the ice and noticing that the further you go down, there's observable observably different levels of like carbon dioxide in these layers of like permanently frozen ice. And he was using that as evidence mm-hmm. to say, Hey, the, the, more of this uh, carbon that's in the, in, is increasing in uh, the atmosphere. We can tell by looking at these layers and, and it's probably because we've been burning fossil fuels at a, you know, really high rate uh, for the last, you know, several decades. Again, this was early nineties and uh, you know, and had a very kind of thoughtful conversation about the the implications of of not doing more to uh, reduce consumption and, and particularly reduce the, the use in fossil fuels. And it was a very thoughtful conversation at the time. He was a senator. But, you know, this wasn't a conversation about politics. This was a conversation uh, about, uh, you know, an urgent issue. Um, there was no pushback on it. It was just, "Hey, there's a senator out there who's partnered with scientists that has discovered some interesting research." And that conversation took place on the Seven Hundred Club, and the interviewer was Pat Robertson. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that was from not that 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 was, you know, twenty five years ago now, at mm-hmm. least. And uh, you know, the, the the point of me saying that is like there was a time. In, in in recent memory where science was not politicized, right? Like the, the that you, you know, observations about our environment, about medicine, about health weren't a right or left issue. It, it, but right in kind of the modern era where everything has become politicized and weaponized, you know. actual facts and, and data and science is being used to pit one, you know, one group against another. And I think there, I think it's fair to say in this country, a lot of, uh, particularly Protestants and evangelicals kind of lean more conservative. And as different issues have become uh, a conservative or a liberal issue, instead of just an issue we can an object. Issue. Yeah. That, 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 like we, we a saw an issue. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, like, like I said, that was like 25 years ago. And and now that conversation, it, it seems like that'd be very unlikely to have if, if the name Al Gore comes up in conservative or a religious setting or a show like the 700 club, it, it would likely be met with, you know, jokes and skepticism as this is some outsider, you know, that's, that's threatening our, our, our community. The political, the politicalization uh, of science, I think has had some really concerning implications. I think that's one aspect. I think the other aspect is for decisions that like the programmers at Netflix have made to load up their entire, like every, oh, yeah. every other documentary, you know, I I saw like a meme or something. said, it's like every, every doc, like scrolling Netflix. If I go to the documentary, everyone is like a kernel of corn, but when you, but, but like the graphic is a corn, but the, you're pulling back the husk and it's actually a grenade with a pin on it. And it says like, f- you know, overfed, fed up or, or, you know, fed lies or, you know what I mean? Or, you you know, there's like a million of these like Netflix documentaries (laughs) that you can watch that you can literally become a skeptic about any established science. Like I have changed my diet
2: 17 times with 17 different Netflix documentaries in the last year.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's true. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I've watched them too. You know what I yeah. mean? Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's like, well, it looks like I'm eating nothing <laughs> but roast beef from here on. Like, this has convinced me. <laughs> I literally saw one that that was the, essentially the case. I'm going to <laughs> a full-on beef diet, yeah. you know? It's better for the planet. It's it's better for my body. Why are we doing this? <laughs> All
1: right. Oh, man, we got a lot to get to. Okay, I think that will wrap it up for... Slices! Slices! When we come back, Hillsong Young & Free joins us. All of the lights that chased are
0: faded. All the cheap frills were only time wasted. Tell me why
4: society's
0: plans should define who I am. Surely there's a high.
1: you're listening to best friends by hillsong young and free is there something that interferes with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals BetterHelp online counseling is there for you now you can connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment you can now get help on your own time and at your own pace you can schedule secure video or phone sessions plus chat and text with your therapist Licensed professional counselors are available who are specialized in depression, anxiety, sleep issues, grief, family issues, and more. BetterHelp has 3,000 licensed therapists across all 50 states. And of course, if you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time and everything you share is confidential. Best of all, it is an affordable option. The Relevant Podcast listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code RELEVANT. So why not get started today? Go to BetterHelp.com/relevant. Simply fill out the questionnaires to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's BetterHelp.com/relevant. So, they uh, Hillsong Young and Free recently released their brand new single "Best Friends," which the band describes as "quote an anthem for young people who know there's something missing." Since forming in 2013, the worship collective has acquired over 438 million. YouTube channel views and 812 million plus global career streams. And it's currently on the road with Winter Jam 2020. I recently got to speak with Aiden King about the song and the heart behind it. Jesse, we, we've we talked about this a few times. Uh, this song doesn't really sound... You know how when you're flipping to the radio stations and you can kind of tell like, oh, this yeah. is a Christian station, even if they're not talking about God, you can kind of hear it. this song throws that it throws off my radar a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure I could predict my sixth sense would be Big off time. On this
0: one. It, it has um, it, it really sounds like an indie pop song. You know, what's interesting. I, I heard, you know, when you hear that beginning to it, um, you know, Chandler, I know you just played a clip, but if people hear the beginning of the song, it actually kind of has like this like Pixies. Where is my mind vibe? Dude, yeah, you know? yeah. A good, and, then, uh-huh. and then it goes into a big anthemic, almost like a bleachers or like fun type of sound with like gang vocal, yeah. it, you know, Did like
1: they get Jack and Jack Is he a producer <laughs> on this.
0: He's a busy guy. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, but it is. It is totally fresh, especially, you know, for uh, uh, a band and a group that is typically known for their work and like the praise and worship space.
1: Uh, definitely. And that was very deliberate. Uh, I, I actually asked Aiden about this, uh, th- this, this, they knew what they were doing. This was, this wasn't like they accidentally created a different yeah. kind of worship song. This, they, they came out of the gates really wanting to try to do something, which is what something young and free has done a lot, which is how do we, how do we kind of teach our audience that we're trying something new here yeah. and not to expect the same old thing. Uh, he was very honest. I appreciated his candor and talking about how difficult that can be.
3: Yeah. I think, it's, to be honest, for us, it's just so intentional. You know, we—I feel like every song we write, we're trying to, I guess, do something different. I think the hardest thing for us is, you know, we—we're uh, well, not the hardest thing, but the, the, the challenge that we have is like, um, you know, we run these youth groups every single Friday night, you know, and so we've got these, you know, you know these people, these kids and young people come every Friday to our youth ministry, and are looking for something like something new you know what i mean i think especially this generation is so like eager for the next thing and like you know you see it with just you know like there's a song like a song trend every week new song someone's listening to you and so you kind of like i feel like you know when young we started you know streaming and all that kind of stuff like i mean our first album hardly even streams i don't even think streaming was a thing and so but now you're looking at no one is buying like anything that lasts and I no was buying physical things. It's all, it's all just like this, you know, like, um, chop, 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 chop. And so I think with, with us, like, you know, one of the things we noticed, especially on like the last record was it was, we were writing these songs, bringing them to youth group on Friday nights. And, and it was like, I don't know, it wasn't, I think people, people liked it, but they wanted something that felt different to what we'd done before. And I think, you know, for six years, they've been listening to what Young and Free had been doing. Uh, They want something new. And so for us, it was just like this experimenting thing. And so I think to answer your question about how do you stretch your audience or bring them on a journey. And I mean, I I think we're still kind of figuring it out, but I think for us, it's been a lot of trial and error. And I think like, you know, we're lucky that we have, you know, I guess in some ways, an audience that we can play to on Friday night and go, does this work? And it's like, okay, no, no, that didn't go well.
1: So that's sort of the lead up to this song, "Best Friends," and how they uh, they they knew they had something that was kind of strange. Uh, he told me it was sitting on the hard drive for a long time, and they had to coach some of the suits there at Hillsong to <laughs> give it a shot, to, give it, to tell the man that they think this song, and, and that meant it had to go through a few rounds.
0: I'm just picturing uh, he, I'm picturing Joel Houston like in an executive suit with like headphones the on, desk yeah. staring at these young and free kids like, "Are you sure about this? I mean, it slaps, but..." It's are you much? sure it's are too much sure? it slaps not too ready. much it slaps too hard
1: yeah they're not ready mates it's, uh, <laughs> but uh so he, he told the story does sound like uh and they, they credit joel with sort of helping them coach them through how this something like this could work here's the story
3: this song best friends though like was definitely doesn't feel like all of us like you know in the band we had the song but it was a it was in a it was in a folder on a Dropbox called Out, Out of the Box, which was like, a, just felt too left to field. You know, we were like, uh, I don't know if this is going to work lyrically. I, I didn't know how to even <laughs> make sense of how I was going to take this in a direction that felt responsible. And then I think, you know, the, the music as well just felt a bit polarizing. Um, and so we were like, oh, uh, let's put that in a Dropbox over here. And, and when it came to making the album, it was like, well, maybe we should try one song like that. And that was the song to try. And so I kind of had set it up as like, this probably isn't going to work kind of thing. So I sung it at a youth group and they just took the youth group, like the crowds took the chorus and they wouldn't stop singing it over and over and over again. So like we would finish the song <laughs> and like, you know, a speaker would get up and they just keep singing it over the speaker. And so we have to get back up again and play it. And it was like actually out something like out of a movie, you know, it's like, it's never happened before for us.
1: And I think what what uh where what Aiden and I were where we really got to the heart of our conversation about this song was something that everybody's familiar with who was raised uh Christian is wanting to hear music that you can relate to spiritually, but that also doesn't embarrass you when it comes on the car with your friends that that you can feel that that's an, that's an actual for real good time. And that's something that Hillsong young and free really wants to do and has often done.
0: It's like when Phillips, Craig and Dean used to come on when the Jonas brothers were (laughs) kicking around town with their pops, you know, it's like like when I
1: was, when I was, (laughs) when I was 17 years old and busted up the Phillips, Craig and Dean, that's, that was felt felt really good. You felt cool. (laughs) You felt cool. It was, I,
0: I knew I was cool. <laughs> and that's all, that's all I want for this generation too. When you're blasting... <laughs> Is there by, a Phillips, Craig and Dean moment? When they're being dropped off at, at youth group, you know, in the <laughs> yeah. minivan windows down, mom's blasting Phillips, Craig and Dean. <laughs> welcome to the, welcome to a seat at the cool kids table.
1: <laughs> so that's a, that was really the heart behind this song. And, and and I think a lot of the music that they did. Here's him explaining that.
3: Musically, I think they want something that they feel proud of. And so I remember when I was a young person, Hillsong United was the band that played at our youth group. And so... But they, like at the same time, all my friends at school who weren't Christians were listening to, you know, bands like Paramore and bands like um, Coldplay and bands like, uh, you know, Fall Out Boy at the time. I mean, it was, you know, that kind of genre was all was all the talk and all the hype. And Hillsong United fit perfectly within that. So you could easily play, you know, you could be like, hey, listen to this song. And my friends at school who didn't know Jesus were like, ah, yeah, this works. It's a cool song. And I think if I had a sense of, you know, I was proud of my church. I was proud of, you know, being Christian because the music fit in with what everyone was listening to. It fit in with youth culture at the time. And then I think, I think lyrically what young people are looking for is just like, I mean, it's such, I feel like, I mean, I'm definitely not no, no expert in looking across like even music culture. I mean, I listen to a lot of music, but it does feel like, you know, there's, it's like lyrics across the board right now are very just like honest it's very raw and like you know you listen to anything people are just saying whatever it is they feel whatever whatever it is they think and i think there's no time for like i don't know fluffiness i think you know lyrically i think you know beating around the bush is what we'd say in australia like just get not getting to the point i think everything is about like this is what this song was about and i think you know for us this best friends specifically was like what if if our youth group, if young people and Christians and people who identify as, you know, followers of Jesus, if they had to say one thing about what they were going to stand for, that didn't feel like you know we're an army rising up, you know what I mean? Not like not like that at all because I feel like sometimes that can feel a bit like, uh, you know what I mean. But um, something that made them go ah oh, this fashion as a as as a young Christian, and I think I think that I think that worked for us.
1: So, the song is called Best Friends. Uh, we really do like it around the, uh, around the relevant offices right now, where it's a, it's a cool song. Uh, I'd recommend you check that out and check out all the, the stuff that Hillsong Young and Free is up to, of course. Yeah. We're um, on. That was Aiden King. Up next, we're having a conversation with our coronavirus expert.
3: Is it possible to have opinions about political leaders, love those who disagree, walk in integrity, vote with conviction, and still care more about who God is than who the president is? Reverend Eugene Cho's new book, Thou Shall Not Be a Jerk, is your guide to engaging in politics while staying rooted in Christ. Available now wherever books are sold.
1: to You'll Miss Me When I'm Not Around. It's by Grimes. Well, Dr. Jamie Aiton is the founder and executive director of the Humanitarian Disaster Institute and Blanchard Chair of the Humanitarian and Disaster Leadership at Wheaton College in Wheaton, Illinois. He is a disaster psychologist and disaster ministry expert. I came across some of the writing that he had done for for, uh, various outlets about how churches and Christians can best prepare for the for the potential Coronavirus outbreak here in the U.S. as it uh, faces the potential to spread. Obviously very scary for a a lot of folks. So I wanted to talk to somebody who knew what they were talking about and and make sure that we had some good sources on this. He, we had a great conversation. I appreciated his professionalism and his expertise and also his compassion. I'm just going to play the entirety of our conversation with you so you can hear all the wisdom that he gave me and hopefully pass it along to people in your community who can do something important with it. Here is Dr. Aiden, could you tell me just a little bit about uh, what you do?
4: I'm the executive director and founder of the Humanitarian Disaster Institute at Wheaton College, where our mission is to help the church prepare and care in a disaster-filled world.
1: How um, did so you founded that? What what was the need that you perceived back when you started that that led you to to put this together?
4: Well, the way I first got involved in this was moving to South Mississippi just six days before. Hurricane Katrina struck our community. Oh my goodness! And on the ground, when afterwards was able to see the important role that local churches and faith-based organizations played in disaster response, as well as public health emergencies, but also saw that there were very few places that congregations could turn to for trusted resources.
1: And so, your work is to help churches uh, organize to deliver more efficient and effective responses to these things.
4: Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I'm always so encouraged by is how many Christians help where their hearts are in the right place and are wanting to help. But at the same time, I've seen on too many occasions where we maybe haven't had the training and our hands accidentally cause harm. So our goal is to try to approach things from both a theological and scientific perspective and helping the church.
1: From a broad like 5,000-foot view, if this is even possible to do, what are some of the ways that you have seen churches, uh, ministries go wrong when trying to uh, to do this sort of work? And, and how have you helped hopefully correct some of that?
4: Well, you know, one of the ways that I've seen something go wrong is really almost an extreme in both directions. One where churches come about and they almost um, evoke fear. That creates creates panic in their congregations, where on the other end of the continuum are those who come about it with not wanting to prepare at all Uh, and end up causing and putting others at risk.
1: Hmm. Uh, the the tension between, and, and, you, and you see, uh, uh, I've been seeing some conversations about this online in the past few days here and about our pr- response here in the States. The tension between that the Christians feel between wanting to trust God, to do a good work, to, to do a supernatural work maybe even, versus wanting to make sure that we are adequately prepared for this uh, in terms of just human resources. How do you see Christians navigating that tension? What are some tips you can give People?
4: Yeah, I definitely think that that is a a real tension that many of us feel in the church as Christians. But I want to encourage us to look to scripture for different examples for how to navigate this. You know, that we see Christ when he would reach out to heal those that were hurting, that he would provide for both their spiritual needs as well as their physical needs. So I think that we want to approach this with faith and with prayer, but also that we do what each of us can to make a difference in combating the outbreak.
1: So let's talk about the outbreak a little bit. Um, There's, there's so much, (laughs) <laughs> there's so much information about out there about it. A lot of it conflicting. Um, what are, and then for the for people who are listening to this, who are involved in their churches, uh, what are some the main things that people need to be aware of when it comes to COVID-19?
4: No, I think one of the things I would really encourage people to do is to make sure that they stay informed from trusted resources. Mm-hmm. Just like what you were pointing out there, Tyler, that there's so much information, a lot of misinformation and just outright rumors even out there. So I would encourage others to look to places like the CDC and their local and state and other federal Mm -hmm. public health agencies for information and to stay on top of that. But at the same time, to be mindful that if they start to feel anxious, if they start to feel almost compulsively needing to check that information, that they're not helping themselves. They're actually causing more anxiety and maybe they need to take a break.
1: When it comes to to uh, particularly Christians who are doing traditional things like, like going to church, uh, taking communion, uh, holding hands and praying, these are things that take on sort of a new, uh, difficult structure or, or sort of a even alarm right now. What should people who are planning these things at churches, how should they be navigating all of this?
4: Well, you know, right now, the positive news, if there can be such in a time like this, is that in the United States, by and large, it is not time to panic, Mm -hmm. that we need to think about how do we faithfully prepare and not fearfully panic. And so I just want to really hit that hard because right now I'm seeing some responses that are being overblown. So, but it is time to prepare. And so just like what you were asking about, you know, what are some things that we can do? Well, I really want to encourage churches to be thinking about what are those small things that can make a big difference? You know, we don't want churches or people running out buying hazmat suits. (laughs) There's no need for that type of alarm, but if you just pay attention to the news, you actually see that that's happening to the point that government officials are afraid that some healthcare professionals may not actually have the equipment they need. Hmm. But we also saw similar types of responses when we did research after the Ebola outbreak a few years ago. And one of the things that we found with this current, um, with the coronavirus, is that many of the precautions churches can take are actually quite simple and actually follow in many ways the types of steps that you, everyday people would take to deal with things like the influenza, making sure you're washing your hands, that if you're sick, stay home, because if you're sick, God is not going to give you heavenly bonus points for showing up. <laughs> so you are be better off, and your church is going to be better off if you staying home instead of going and sitting in the pew. But it's not just if you're ill. If you are maybe just feeling a little off that Sunday morning, uh-huh. or maybe you're having some early symptoms. It's better to be safe, again, for yourself and for those around. (laughs) Other things that congregations can do is to think about like what you had brought up about how to balance that kind of uh, paradox about what is one of the things that churches give in times of crisis that is so useful, as you pointed out, can be harmful, which is that social support. Right. That we know from some of the research that we've done here at the Humanitarian Disaster Institute that getting that basic social support from others in our congregations can have a positive impact on our psychological and physical well-being. But at the same time, that sort of being in closed spaces, you know, touch can be how sometimes uh, viruses like this can spread. But again, it's not time to alarm, but rather think about what are some small things that the congregation can do right now around some of our religious practices and rituals. So for example, like with communion, um, if you are going up and everybody's pulling the bread from the same loaf and then dipping in the same cup, you have to be asking yourself, is that the best thing to do right now? Yeah. And to start thinking about, you know, how do we make sure there's pure ale everywhere before everybody takes communion, that the pastor or another leader is communicating with the congregation of that. If you're not quite feeling well, or just getting over being sick, We will find an alternative way for you to take communion this morning or passing them around. Excuse me. I should not say passing them around, but maybe having little stations set up where people can go and have individual cups and bread to be able to partake with. But the overall goal is to reduce the amount of touches that people have. So it's really important that any of these types of changes, should churches choose to implement, that before people arrive uh, for service this coming weekend, that those things are talked about and that they're talked about again from main stage so that everyone understands the reasoning behind these changes and that it's done in a way that's careful and does not cause panic.
1: So it might, to that point, be worth churches who who are, especially in some of these areas, uh, setting up some sort of team or a person in charge who can handle all of this messaging?
4: Absolutely. And I would encourage for congregations to think about taking a team approach, uh, that that should include both leadership as well as to look for those in their congregation that may actually have expertise, either in planning around crisis events or even public health issues. In fact, if you visit our website at wheaton.edu backslash HDI and go to our resource page, there we have a, a free downloadable manual with a number of um, resources of how to help actually guide churches from thinking through and communicating about public health emergencies like the current virus. Hmm.
1: Hmm. Um, it, in terms of uh, of the actual it, it can be very difficult, I think. And this has been hard for me, too, just as somebody who's been reporting on some of this. I don't know what normal is. I have no bar- barometer for is the government responding well or is this is this half hazard and the, lots of mistakes are being made? Then I should be worried about that. Um uh, it can be even reading uh, legitimate news sources, like good news sources can be very anxiety inducing. Do you have any good tips for people and just how to to navigate their own mental health during times like this?
4: Well, sure. and and before I share some of those tips, I just want to give you, you know this is my professional scientific definition of normal. It's a setting on the washing machine. okay <laughs> so, Okay, so maybe it's not that scientific or that professional. but I, I share that because, it reminds us that what is normal, right? Yeah, that most yeah. things in life are somewhat atypical, but definitely a virus outbreak like this is not as common. Um, however, when we look at the current responses, one of the things I would tell people um, as they're combating the anxiety around it is to make sure that they're limiting their media intake. Just like what you said about how it can be sometimes stressing uh, or distressful when reading all these different reports. So monitor set some positive limits. You know, you might need to take a break from social media or so in most cases, I'd actually encourage people, if you want to get the information about uh, the virus is to go to those government websites where you're really Mm -hmm. just getting the facts Mm -hmm. and then also look to trusted news resources as well. But again, limit those so that you're not making yourself overly anxious.
1: This is all uh, very, very helpful, and I, I do appreciate you taking time to, to educate us on this. Is there anything you would leave for people who want to be helpful to their to their neighbors, their communities? I think. It's hard. You hear a lot about the isolation that we have in America right now mm-hmm. as people. And this is a time where we really need to we need to know our neighbors. We need to rely on like personal support systems and the Internet isn't really going to cut it. Uh, so in terms of just knowing how to love their neighbors, well, even if maybe up to this point, we haven't bonded with them or maybe introduced ourselves. uh Do you have any tips for just what it mean what it looks like to love your neighbor during a potential uh, endemic like this?
4: You know, I think hearing that question for me, it really makes me think back to Micah six eight about you know carrying out justice and loving mercy and walking humbly, and I think the place for us to start in the current outbreak are with our neighbors who are the most vulnerable, you know, who who are the elderly, the shut-ins, who who are medically frail in our communities, and that we need to start there now before our communities are potentially impacted, because once the cases start to spread potentially that it'll make caring for those individuals even more difficult and oftentimes in these sorts of situations they actually go completely overlooked and um, may not receive the help that they so drastically need so start with the vulnerable and most underserved in your community including your direct neighbors and then in terms of congregations what i would encourage them is to think about what are the ministries that they are already doing or maybe if this is an individual in a church listening What are the things you're already doing in your community to make a difference? You know, no one needs to turn into creating like a small, like, you know, Christian CDC type of emergency response. But instead to think about, for instance, what if you've been involved or your church has a, say, a a Meals on Wheels type of ministry to the elderly? Uh Well, in the next week, spend a little extra time at each stop and check in with individuals. Ask if they've got medication that they might need for a couple of weeks, If you know, should they need it. Making sure that they have some information about here's places you could call if things are start to get worse in our community. And here's how to get help. So it's not that we have to reinvent ourselves, but to look at those that we already have contact with and to love those individuals and to love them well.
1: Dr. This is all so helpful and I do appreciate your time. And I I think our readers and listeners will too. I, I appreciate it.
4: Oh, absolutely. Glad I could help.
1: Well, hey, many thanks to Dr. Aiton for joining us to talk about all this. Once again, you can follow him at Dr. Jamie Aiton. That's at Dr. J-A-M-I-E-A-T-E-N to get uh to get valuable updates about coronavirus over the in the coming days and weeks here. Also, got to say thanks to Hillsong Young and Free. Best friends out now. Always love when the Hillsong Young and Free folks are willing to join us. Uh, have a great time with them and enjoy the new song a lot. And I guess we could better say thank you to Carlos... You, yes, you pulled man. yourself out of the rebel to talk. I really appreciate guys, that, man. There's a lot going on this morning.
0: No, there's a lot going on. I, I I love hanging out with you guys. It's always a blast. And Carlos Interwild, I have in my hand a Oh, look at that. I, nice. I can't tell you where I got this. This book does not <laughs> come out until June 16th, but uh yes. I have I snuck into Carlos's house and stole a yes. Yes. copy yes. in the night.
2: Look, and, well, all that's showing is that my I, I, my publicist is obviously doing her job, uh, and, and I, I would like to I would like to let it be known bef- before you uh, uh, judge um, that the cover will not be lavender. Okay, and I'm not quite sure it mm. was gray when well. we designed it, and then it got shipped as lavender, which is fine, but. It's its, it's going to be well.
0: Great. I either way, I—I've <clears throat> got a chance to dig in. I like the design and I like the content. and People will too. Can they pre-order? Oh, Is it thanks, too man. early
2: to pre-order? Yeah, no, you can pre-order right now on hey, Amazon. Do you- All your actually, I
0: can't say Amazon. I have to say at hey, your favorite. Christian Retail I want to do something right Ooh, now cuz I'm going to show people how good this book is. I'm going to randomly open to oh. a page and read a sentence. Oh no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. Okay, and that will convince fewer fewer. I am this okay. is honest. Do you guys see bookmarks in this? This is This is no, not planned. No, no, we're watching I'm going to do it. Live right I'm now. going to I'm going to okay. close my eyes. Okay, I found a page. I'm not even looking. Okay. This okay. is on page 101. And I will read oh, the wow. sentence that my oh. finger land on. Why am I here? Okay. I repeated the question John had asked me. If you want to find out the rest. Oh! <laughs> if you, why are you here? No, <laughs> not, I don't want to know. I want to read That's it. That's a loaded pick, guys, The answer will make
1: more book? sense within the context of the full <laughs> pick. up yeah,
2: Actually, if you just want to know why you exist Pick up my book, guys. Just pick because up my book. What if I started doing I'm that
0: in interviews? You do. You probably do a ton of interviews, especially when around book time. What if that was just what an interviewer did? I each. I'm not going to ask questions. I'm going to open with a random page of read sentences, and let's talk about those. Like, listen, listen. It's that 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 would not be a surprise because
2: I was at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention last week here in Nashville, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and I did have one interview where I felt like that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, yeah. So, anyway, it's a fine line Gary, between overprepared and underprepared. Yeah. Yes, and
0: no shocking. Uh, Gary Busey is not a big. Uh, interview prepper. So I'm sorry your interview with him didn't go good. But maybe he'll be yeah. giving you a call to apologize. Next time, Gary. Yeah,
2: next time. Or David, whatever, yeah. whoever you are. <laughs>
1: uh, also, I have to say thank you to BetterHelp. Uh, go to betterhelp.com slash relevant. Just fill out that questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor that you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash relevant. Uh, also, if you haven't yet, subscribe to Relevant Daily on our Apple Podcast page. That's where we give you Monday through Friday the top three stories at the intersection Of faith and culture that you need to know. And if that, I think we will wrap it up. Thank you again, everybody, who reached out to to me and to Carlos and and to make sure that we were okay. Really do appreciate that. Uh, Good luck, everybody out there on the Super Tuesday. If Chandler's not trying to muscle you out of the way, hope everybody gets a chance to go (laughs) and and the participating states gets a chance to go vote. And with that, I think we'll wrap it up. I'm Tyler Huckabee. Channel String. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Carlos Whitaker. And we will see you Friday. Have a great week, everybody.
0: You know, that's just how another snake gets in the ball pit. Right, guys? Relevant
3: Podcast Network.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger,
2: McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.